McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken wackduggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. Hola, amor. Hola, cariño. Hello, and welcome to Wiki Horror, a Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I am Johnny. I'm Eileen. Hey, girl. Hello. Hello. Hey, uh, this is our 25th episode. 25! Holy shit. We are a quarter century old. Uh, Uh, We're just fresh, young things. What a delight to be <laughs> fresh and young and not taking not taking turmeric pills. Today I almost choked oh. on my turmeric pill. Oh, wow. If that is not a sign of just l- my crickety old body. Brother, <laughs> cuando yo te digo that the other day I was like, okay, ready for yoga. And I bent my knees and it was like, how can I? You know what it sounded like? It sounded like when you put your thumb on a... T- on a toothbrush head, uh-huh. yeah. and you kind of like release the bristles. Wow. That's, That's what it pops. fucking sounded like. It was like lots of stuff being released in there. Who knows what the fuck it is? It wasn't pops though. It was as uh-huh. if like the ball and the joint, like the part of the ball was made of sandpaper, and the part of the joint was also sandpaper, and it was like yeah. Well, take that turmeric, anti-inflammation. Pero si me, va, me voy a pasar ahogando. Like, I put it down my gullet, and I was like, like, it was fucking tough today to pass it down. Well, at least you're taking it, and also taking some fucking, uh, what is it called? Glycerin? Collagen. Collagen, yes, sí. collagen. In also, if smoothies. I don't say it, I'm going to die. It's not crickety, it's rickety. A crickety, that is not a word, Johnny. That does <laughs> Honestly, not crickety, crotchety. Crickety, crotchety, crookety, rickety. All of it. <laughs> I'm sorry that you almost choked on your p- <laughs> that's fine. You know, that's that's life. But but um, also, I would like to say that uh-huh. I love that, you know, just five episodes ago, we're like 20th, and now we're like 25th. So I think I, me especially, like, I'm very much like, it has to be something so big. It must be huge. It feels like a big deal. And I mean, I love to celebrate it. But it's like when we get to our 45th, we're going to be like, no, my God, our 45th. Well, I think you you and I, this happens with like our birthdays and stuff. Like zeros and fives are big for us in in that when we turned 30, it was big. And then 35, you know, also. So I think, you know, every time we hit a zero or a five on the podcast, I think we are okay to be like, yay, we're doing it. We're allowed to fucking celebrate. We are allowed to celebrate. Everybody chill out. Let us fucking celebrate. Everybody's listening like, we're not saying anything. Nobody's fighting with you. (laughs) Well, since it is the 25th, I mm-hmm. wanted to pick a big movie. I wanted to pick one that felt special. Yes. And I went ahead and I picked George Romero's classic 1968 film, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Now, 
there will be a discussion post episode about why we were like, should we do this or not? Just about um, George's specific Latin X lineage. Right. You want to wait till we get to the end for that, yeah. that kind of stuff? Yeah. Cool. The exciting part about this conversation we're going to have at the end, I think, is going to be like, we'd love to hear from you guys as much as possible. We've been really getting a lot of wonderful dms of people suggesting movies Uh, please guys if you have movies that you want to hear us talk about that you know we have our lists but it's a list that we want to keep growing and you know we're we're only human so we may have overlooked some or or you know, didn't do our research correctly, so please yeah, teach us. Let us know if si tienen película, Por favor. tell us, and we will make a note and make sure to watch them because we want everyone to watch as many fucking Latino movies as we as we can get in our eyeballs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So reach out to us on social media at Uikyorror on Twitter and on Instagram. Send us an email at Uikyorror at gmail.com. You know, fucking chat with us. And and also, even more importantly, because as many eyeballs as we can get on these movies, we also want as many ear holes to be hearing our stuff. So hello, make sure and rate and review us on whatever podcast listening device you're using because that really helps us gain a bigger audience and you know what it helps latinx film gain a bigger latinx horror gain a bigger audience which is very important my gente mejor la fiesta is what i always say (laughs) i don't think i've ever said that in my life (laughs) well we're starting it today uh but we do really want to hear from you about a specific query we have regarding this yes, film. At the, at the end, though, at the we'll end, get there. We're, we'll get to the, to, the, to the question that we think is a good discussion to have. But first, we got to talk about this awesome, classic, classic, historic film. Let's do it. You got a synopsis for me? I absolutely do. Thank you so much to IMDb for always giving us... You always come through. ...some fucking synopsis. Um... <laughs> I will never know the plural to that word. never. Okay. Anita, not Anita. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. A ragtag group of Pennsylvanians barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a horde of flesh-eating ghouls that are ravaging the east coast of the United States. Great. Yeah. Fab. Fab. Okay, everybody. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, film from the United States of America, 1968, directed by George Romero, written by John Russo and George Romero. We ready? Ready. Let's do this. Okay. Vámonos. We open on a winding country road, and it seems to be out in the middle of nowhere. There's spooky-oaky, spooky-oaky, (laughs) spooky-oaky 60s music, and we see a car approaching in the distance. Right off the bat, that music is just... So effective. I love it. It does have like the kind, I mean, like slightly cheesy 60s vibe, but I but love it. It's the, the best. Yeah. The best. So we then get our title card Night of the Living Dead. We watch this car drive along and it finally comes to a stop in a cemetery. There is a white brother and sister inside. <laughs> Just capital H in that word. Um, yes. 
Whys. This Whys. is Barbara. <laughs> Whys, Barbara and Johnny. But the 60s look looks are iconic. Ugh. Like her hairdo. His and glasses. His glasses. Iconic. So like, I'm like, great. Here we are in the 60s. <laughs> so they have this uh, rather like what I would describe as like a waspy conversation. Totally. And what we're getting from this conversation is that it's daylight savings time. Which is tomorrow for us. Which is tomorrow. Ooh. Ooh, look yeah. at that. Synchronicity. Yeah. Also, we established we're quite a ways out in the country and that they're there to put flowers on their dad's grave. This seems like a, they, he literally says we drove six hours. I'm like, God damn, to put a wreath on your dad's grave. Like, I get it if it was a recent death, like if your dad just fucking died and this was yeah. where you chose to bury him. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems as though this is something... Like, they literally say, we should bring mom closer so that she can do it. She's literally staying home. She, we didn't bring mom because it's so big of a drive. And it's clearly not a recent thing because Johnny is like, I don't even really remember him. Exactly. Plus, you guys. it's 8 p.m. at night. Like, why are we doing this so fucking late? You guys. No entiendo. But here we are. Tampoco. <laughs> it's 8 p.m. As Johnny is exiting the car, he hears the radio say, we're back on the air after an interruption due to tech problems. He turns it off, but immediately you're like, what's going on here? My favorite thing about 60s movies is the use of radio and TV. Because, first of all, I just love the voice of, like, news anchors oh and, like, that kind of stuff. Just like, okay, guys, we're hey. coming back at you. And it's <laughs> it seems as though a special report. And it's just, I love, I love Me that. Me too. It's shocking because it feels like it should be in like a 20s movie, but it is carried yeah. over for some reason. Oh my God. So they get out of the car. And again, since it's 8 p.m., there's nobody there. They're all by themselves. They find the grave. They put this like cross flower adorno thing on the grave. Mm -hmm. And we hear a storm kind of like rumbling in the distance, which is a very good mood setter, I think. It was used really well here. Yes. Johnny is like, Barbara, let's hurry it up. And at this point, he sees an old man kind of like creeping off in the distance, slowly approaching them. Johnny is poking fun at Barbara. He's like, I remember when you used to be scared of the cemetery when we were kids. And Barbara's like, stop it now. I mean it. Johnny. <laughs> and he's all that. And we and get the this famous is the line. line. They're coming <laughs> for you, Barbara. <laughs> well, we have to. Let's be specific. Because okay. I, I was always like, which one is it? It's both. But here he says. They're coming to get you, Barbara. But then Barbara fucks it up later and she says the wrong line. Did you did you catch that? He says, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And then uh -huh. she runs and then he approaches the gravestone and he's like, they're coming for you, Barbara. Yes, yes, so yes, he yes. says both. Right. And later on, she is like, Barbara, okay, I have a... Uh, we'll get through. <laughs> oh my God. Bar Fucking Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> Can I say she, a quick little thing? Yeah, please. When I used to dog walk here in New York, I... Was there I a dog named Barbara? No, but <laughs> I remember I was passing by this older man that lived in the neighborhood. He had a cane and like an older doggy and they would pass by or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was talking, he was sitting down and resting and he was talking to another guy, a younger man. Because I was just passing by, I heard him say, you know, 
they're coming to get you, Barbara. And the the younger man was like, huh, huh, not <gasps> getting it. And I, being metiche, I was like, Night of the Living Dead. And he turns to me, he's like, exactly. See, look, you need to know the classics. And I was like, oh, Can okay. Can I just say, <laughs> I am so proud of you for that. Thank you. <laughs> That is like that feels like that feels like a rite of passage. Like totally. Is, and Night of the Living Dead was a recent one for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, not even lying to you, it was one of the first movies that I started watching when the lockdown happened. Yeah, which. But I knew yeah. that line from like you know just being in the lexicon. Of course. But sure. I officially watched it for the first time. I'm gonna say around a year ago this week. Yeah. I think you're probably, because I remember you watching it and I was like, girl, you got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. Well, here we are watching it again a year later, which means Amazing. a full fucking year in quarantine. Jesus Ugh. Christ. <laughs> um, Barbara also, she says this very simple, but I fucking love this line when he's like, they're coming to get you. She says, stop it. You're ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> You are like I just find that so ridiculous. But I agree. I love that line so much. You're ignorant. You're ignorant. Why are they British all of a sudden? Who are I don't we? Know. What are we doing? It's because that, this is not what they sound like. It's just like clipped. That mid-Atlantic like yeah. accent that you know actors back in the day had that it was just like we're very well spoken and like it's it, it's <laughs> you're giving it's me British. full British. But you y'all get not, what we're trying though. to say. It's just like it's like this like listed Sing songy. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so the, we see this creepy old guy. He's getting closer, and he straight up attacks Barbara. And Bro, he, he goes, goes for, for her. Yeah. So Johnny's like, "What the fuck?" He helps her, but he is thrown to the ground, and he smashes his head on a gravestone. So this zombie actor, his name is Bill Hinsman. What an introduction to, like, basically zombies. He is so scary. He's so good. When she gets in the car and she's, like, freaking out, she locks it, and him at the window, like, oh that, God. it's so simple. There's nothing crazy happening except for no. him smacking on the window, and it's terrifying i 100 percent agree and also it's been a while since i've seen this movie but the zombies presented in this film because this is i mean this was the first like zombies eating people movie mm -hmm. you get a lot of different types of zombies here where like this guy's banging on the window and he he's throws not a fucking mindless. brick he, he tries to open the door which is not like a brainless zombie him pulling at the door trying to yeah. open it like so frenetically and crazy that is awful and he but he knows to like yes. try the door handle he knows to grab a huge rock and smash it through the window so which is exactly what he does so barbara there's no keys johnny's got the fucking keys fucking so she johnny. pulls <laughs> johnny so she pulls... <laughs> so she pulls the parking brake and the car goes rolling off and this dude is still in hot pursuit he's coming after her he is he holds on to that fucking door and like slides with the car he's not letting up so the car comes to a stop after it kind of slides along a tree and we get this great shot of Barbara running away like classic like just looking back and screaming yeah. and just like running as fast as she can and like oh god it's so good it's terrifying you even get a classic like she falls she yeah. kicks off her shoes which good job girl Kick girl them shoes don't be off. trying to run in no heels come on 
And so she sees an old farmhouse in the distance. She runs to it. And along the way, she plows into a gas pump. And so do not forget this for later, the gas pump. She stops on things and grabs them so dramatically so many times. She'll run, 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 and then get to that gas pump and be like, ugh, and hold on to it and be like, I must keep going. And then runs again and then gets to the farmhouse and grabs a fucking pole and again is like, ah, I'm I'm holding on. Like, Barbara, come on. Come on, girl. So she finally, she makes it into this farmhouse. She goes in through the back door. She slams it. She grabs a big knife, which again, good girl. Yes. She starts to kind of look through the house. She's inspecting and there seems to have been a scuffle. In this house. Yes. She goes into like a living room and there are animal heads mounted on the walls. And I'm telling you, I jumped. Bro, the music flares at that moment. It's a... And then I was not ready. Animal heads. I fully was like, jump. I was like, like (laughs) full head on the ceiling. Just a close up on an animal mounted head, and like, and it scared the shit out of me. Me too. So she tries the phone, pero nada. And she looks outside, she sees that same old dude zombie prowling around, but now she notices that more zombies are joining him. Yeah. So she goes upstairs, I assume, to like either hide or look around, inspect, see if somebody else is there, and she sees this horrible, mutilated, dead face, which Ooh. horrible. And For she, 1968, it, that thing was a nightmare. Absolutely. Very, still very is. well done. Uh, yeah, it still looks ho- awful. Yeah. And so it clearly scares the shit out of her. So she runs out the front door, and at the same time, a car is pulling up. So this is Ben, who is black and very handsome. Oh, and he so comes, handsome. Oh, my God. So, so handsome. But very important, this is a black man in 1968. Yes. And here's Approaching this. Approaching a house with a white uh, wife's. Yes, white woman. (laughs) So he shows up. He shoves her back inside. He's run out of gas. He's asking her, do you know if there's a key to the gas pump outside, which I guess farms used to have gas pumps on them? Bro. Is that a thing? I don't fucking know. But Barbara is like catatonic. She's in shock. She's not answering. Finally, after a while, she's like, what's happening? But we're interrupted by the zombies smashing Ben's headlights outside. So it seems like they do not like bright light, which immediately Mm -hmm. I was like, gizmo from the gremlins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? They don't like it. So Ben comes out to defend his car. He kills the zombies with a tire iron. He fucks them up. And they're just like, (laughs) this is the zombie sounds. I I nailed it. Listen, watch the movie and tell me I didn't nail it. Also, if you need to play an old man in the future, there it is. I am an old man. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my knees. This is what we need to do. Pair my knees with your old with man With my sounds. vocal abilities. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so. B- BT Dubs. Uh-huh. When Ben is fucking these zombies up, he's smashing them in the head. That's a ho- That's a really important yes. Important to know thing. as they're going, yeah. <laughs> it's all head hits. <laughs> Meanwhile, Barbara's in the house, and we see this very scary-looking zombie come out of a closet. 
He slowly approaches her, but Ben comes in just in time, and he kills this fucking zombie with a tire iron Through stab to the, the forehead. Head. Uh, and that little hole that they did, it like almost has like a little flap. It looked really good and like Ooh. disgusting. This is, I think, another reason why this film is so loved, well respected, is because. The makeup effects, they still hold up. Absolutely. Even if you're like, it's dated, whatever, it's still fucking No importa. It's no still importa. fucking creepy. Yeah. More zombies are like approaching the house, but Ben is able to ward them off. He shuts the door and he says, they know we're in here now. He takes the tire iron head smash zombie whose eyes are still kind of like moving. Did you moving, see that? Moving, yes. He was so like, it must be in like it's death throes or some shit. Quien sabe? Sure. But he takes it outside. He lights the body on fire. To kind of ward off the zombies. And they're fucking like. They don't like it. They are not into the the fire. (laughs) So back inside, Ben tells Barbara, turn on more lights. Which at first I was like, terrible idea. But also maybe good idea if they don't like the light. But you would think that they would be drawn to it in the nighttime. Right, right. But the lights are on. They're and, they, and Barb, I literally wrote, step on it, Barbara, because he's like, okay, get us some, we need to board this, up these windows, this, we this. need to board up these doors, we need to do this, and blah, blah, blah. and Barbara is like, <sighs> like fucking oh. taking her sweet time, like touching girl. everything with her hands really she's tenderly, girl. must be in full shock, like that must be the choice that she's going for here, but Ben is very patient with her at, at first. At first. Ben is looking for... A hammer, nails, and he's like, listen, you need to go look. We need to look for wood because we got to board up this house. So while Ben is nailing it, no pun intended, at finding all this wood and like boarding up the house, Barbara finds three. Oh, fucking the toothpicks. She finds three logs that are the, the t- what are you going to do with that? Put, put them in your what teeth you and that? pull out the chunk of meat that's in there because that's what she got were toothpicks. But then she puts her little toothpicks down and she does start to help Ben at least like hold up the, the, the doors so she can While board, he hammers so they can board shit up. And as they're boarding things up, they kind of, re- they recount their respective zombie stories of how they got to this farmhouse. Ben's monologue is brilliant. Ooh. Oh, he's he so, so good. performs the shit out of it. And so basically, he said that he found the truck that is now outside near Beekman's Diner, and he wanted he found the truck to like listen to the radio inside to find out what the hell was going on. And while he was in the truck trying to listen to the radio, he saw like a, a gas tanker go by, which was in flames, and that's how he learned that the zombies don't like fire. Mm-hmm. He was surrounded by a horde of zombies, but he was able to plow right he through He plowed them. through them, and he made it here to this house. One of the lines he says that he says it so great was like, they scattered around me like bugs. And I was like, ooh, you can, that's a great visual. Yes. And you totally, everything he describes in this monologue, you see it perfectly. perfectly. This, he fucking nails it. Yeah. Barbara is going Barbara's through Barbara's having a mental <laughs> breakdown. She, she starts to recount her story with Johnny in the cemetery, and Ben is like, what the fuck is wrong with this fucking bitch? Oh, my God. His fucking face was like, uh, girl, what's happening? Like, I'm happening? scared. Yeah. <laughs> 
fuck? But he's like, okay, well, he's got work to do, so he continues doing his work. And at one point, because Barbara still is like, she's losing it. He's like, I think you should just calm down. Mm -hmm. She continues to freak out, and she says, we need to go find Johnny. We need to go find Johnny. So she starts to run out. Johnny's dead, Barbara. Johnny's dead, girl. Ben grabs her, and she's like, oh, how dare you? So she slaps him. So he punches the shit out of her and she passes out and he very kindly puts her on the couch which here's the thing obviously Mm -hmm. don't hit ladies but she's hysterical she puts her hands on him too which hello Mm -hmm. do i think he needed to punch her no could he have like maybe shaken her and been like snap out of it you know that would have been maybe a better (laughs) than alternative than Punching her in the chin. I think in this um, in this particular circumstance, talking about him punching her, it's more interesting to get your take on it because you are a woman. Right. But I think it is the kind of thing that you're always going to be like, do not hit a woman. That is, right. you should know this. I also feel that a lot of people will be like, she was fucking hysterical. Yeah. It does which, not make it okay, though. It doesn't make it okay. I also, there is also this like, which I think, is pre- is really prevalent in the performance and like the characters of all the women in this film mm. in that they're either hysterical or useless. You know what I mean? Except for maybe like Helen who, who will Helen who is yeah. kind of the least useless of them all. Mm-hmm. And as a lady watching this film after having so much representation of strong, powerful women, seeing women in this disaster situation act so hysterical and useless is very frustrating to see. Because the thing yeah. I want to see is them take handle of the situation and like fucking do it and make it work. Yeah. But it'll, you know. And also, you know, at, uh-huh. at the time, I'm sure they're like, yeah, hitting a lady isn't that bad. And it's like, guys, mm. don't. But they must have understood the power. Well, not the power. They must have understood what kind of reaction they would get with showing a black man hitting a white woman. Oof. That's the other thing. And you know what's also interesting? A little bit of trivia dropping right here at the top is that the character of, of uh, hello, what's your name? Barbara was not supposed to be this kind of like helpless woman. She was supposed to be strong, strong. and capable. But this is how this actress apparently chose to depict her. And they were like, okay, we're feeling it. And they just kind of went with it. Okay. Which is interesting. In the remake, the Tom Savini directed remake, Barbara is like a badass. From what I've I remember, never, I haven't seen the Tom Savini version of it, and I would love to if that's the case because I can't, it's been a long time. But it would be interesting to watch that just to yeah. not for Uike Rod, but for in you know, general, just to, just to watch it to see yeah. that take on the character. Would love give me a badass Barbara instead of a uh, 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 catatonic <laughs> fucking mess. All right, so Barbara's passed out on the couch. At this point, Ben has found a radio, so he turns it on, and on the radio it says, There's an epidemic of mass murder being committed by unidentified assassins. There seems to be no pattern. The assassins are ordinary people who seem to be in a trance, and we honestly do not have much to tell you, so just watch out outside. Emergency services are overwhelmed. The situation is spreading along the eastern states, so our advice is just to stay inside behind locked doors. And I was like, hello, COVID. Jesus. COVID. Oh, my God. 
Ben sees more zombies approaching, so then he t- he makes a torch out of a table leg. He sets a chair on fire to kind of keep warding them off because they're they're growing in numbers and they're getting closer. Yeah. Ben continues to board up the house pretty well, and we get this weird kind of sneaky shot of what looks to yes. be the basement door, kind of a secretive door. It's a great little reveal. Yes, it is. Where you're like, ooh, what? What's going on there? I In my mind, watching it yesterday, I was like, I can only imagine the feeling of being in the movie theaters when that's revealed. Yes. And being like, especially because it does a little zoom in situation and people, I'm sure, were like, oh, fuck, there's some shit yeah. down there. You can know you what imagine I mean? watching this, not knowing anything about it? Oh, in movie what theaters, a fucking dream. What an dream. experience. Yeah. yeah. So we get this cool reveal shot of the be- of the basement door, and then Barbara wakes up because Ben is hammering really loudly. Ben looks through a closet where he very kindly finds some lady shoes for Barbara because <laughs> she's still got her bare feet, and he finds a fucking shotgun and bullets. And I'm like, yes, Ben, yes. He goes in to check in on Barbara, and she is pissed. And, like, it's worse than before because before she was just like, I'm in shock. And now she's pissed and in shock. And she's just like, I'm choosing to not speak to you and be absolutely inept. And he's like, Here's some shoes. Sorry I punched you. Yeah. Basically, it's like, (laughs) I'm really sorry about that. But he's being, he's still like pretty calm with her. Yes. Assertive. Assertive. He's like, Let's do this together. He puts the shoes back on her feet. Like, he is trying his very best with this woman. Yeah. At this point on the radio, again, we hear murder victims have been partially devoured by their murderers, which is like, oh, that's oh, new. F- fuck. fuck. Yeah. yeah. Ben goes upstairs to inspect. He moves that dead, gross-faced body Ooh, yeah. into a room. And we, meanwhile, Barbara's downstairs still listening to the radio. And this radio is like... Again, people are being eaten. Let us remind you, these fucking people are eating people. Don't go outside. Stay indoors. Or you will get eaten. Yeah. She hears a noise kind of from that secret basement door. And two fucking dudes come out from this basement door. And she, of course, screams in fear. So Ben comes down to help. I wrote the people from under the stairs. Yes. (laughs) That's a Wes Craven film, guys. That is actually... Not my favorite. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The People Under the Stairs. Ah, I love that fucking movie. Um, okay, so The People Under the Stairs are Harry, who is this middle-aged bald dude, and Tom, who is young and simple and very cute. We quickly find out that Harry is an asshole. He's a Harry? Harry. <laughs> I... Mira, este hijo es la gran puta. Yo dije, oh y de ahí este brother fucking Mr. Sí. Cooper que se vaya a la mierda. The worst. I literally throughout this whole thing in my notes, his name is Asshole Harry. <laughs> asshole Harry. You hairy asshole. Oh, you hairy asshole. So we learned that Harry is an asshole, a hairy asshole, because... They he heard Barbara screaming, and he seems to want the, to be the one that was kind of in control of whatever is happening downstairs, which we will find out very quickly. But he didn't come up to help this woman. Nope. And what we're establishing here is that Ben is the is the kind of man who would help. Asshole Harry is not. Harry's like, we gotta stay in the cellar. It's safer. And I'm like, absolutely not. Are Bro. you fucking kidding me? And we discover here that in the cellar is asshole Harry's wife, Helen, and his daughter, Karen. And Karen, the daughter, is injured. Mm-hmm. She's ill. 
And also downstairs is Tom's girlfriend, Judy. So Tom and Judy are like this young couple. Yeah. Tom starts to agree with Ben. He's like, Ben, you're right. We should continue to board up this house. We got, we should not go to the cellar because as Ben puts it, that's a fucking death trap. It's a death trap. And Tom is like, there's no windows. There's no windows. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Mr. Cooper, what are you going to no do? There's no windows. <laughs> But for real, what the fuck are you going to do? Bro, a zombie comes down there, you're fucked. You're fucked. You can't escape. Terrible idea. Yeah. All of a sudden, some zombie arms come popping through a boarded up window and they grab at Ben. And sweet Tom comes to help him out. And he's like slashing at these zombie hands, Mm -hmm. which we see get all chopped up. Ben shoots a zombie, but it doesn't do anything. But then he shoots the zombie in the head. Boom. And that zombie is dead. Yep. So just you gotta establishing, get him in the head. Uh-huh. establishing the rules, you know, or like, how does this all work? Which I just, you see it happening. It's so Which cool. is the best. That's such a yeah. great thing when you have this, like when you have a monster and you have to like step by step realize, okay, this is what's good and this is what's bad and this is whatever. Like, honey. That storytelling, baby. And look at the power of it. This movie from 19... This little fucking movie from 1968 and how those... Well, they have been twisted and turned and sure, that's fine. But they're still... But a lot of those rules are that is the way that it is. Which is very cool. Yeah. So at this point, after Ben shoots that guy in the head and we're like, okay, this is what's working. Mm -hmm. We see a horde of zombies approaching, including a naked naked lady lady butt. Yeah. <laughs> and some zombie lady who eats a bug off a tree, which I was like, oh, okay. It made me think, like, uh, with the naked lady, I was like, I wonder how much of a shock value that was. Like, how many butts have we seen on film dur- at that time? I would I know. think that this would have been pretty shocking. I don't yeah. know for sure, but I imagine. And you also get, like, side boob at one point. You yeah. Kinda see, it's kind of in shadow, but you see her boobs. Which I imagine this was clearly done for shock value. Of course. So back in the house, Ben lays it down. He's like, asshole Harry, you can be the boss down in the cellar, but I'm the boss up here. You fucker. You you fucking hairy asshole. (laughs) So asshole Harry gets pissed. He goes back down to his family. But first, Tom is like, Judy, get up here. Get up here because we're not going back down to that cellar. So Judy comes up. Asshole Harry shuts the cellar door and goes down to his wife and his injured daughter, Karen. And the wife is just up to, like, she is. She's had had it. You know what I have had? It. It has been had. (laughs) She's like. She just really is kind of like really sarcastically letting him have it, you know, kind of poking fun at him. But when he mentions that there's a radio upstairs, she's like, you idiot. Let's go upstairs. We should listen to the radio. Find out what the hell is going on. Get some help. ¿Sabes lo que? Uh-huh. Y te digo la palabra. Por favor. In, in my family, they say it all the time when you're, especially to me, a Taurus who is very stubborn. No seas mula. No seas mula, brother. And he's like, no, my way or the highway, even though there is actual communication, actual information coming in, he's like, no, a mí me vale verga. No, I'm going to be una fucking mula so that uh, it's so frustrating. The most irritating. Well, oftentimes when, when I dislike a character... That just means that the actor is doing a good job. That's the whole point, I think, yeah. is like <laughs> they, they were like, listen, you need to be the biggest dick that you can be. And my guy succeeded. Oh, he fucking nailed it. So at this point, Tom, young Tom yells down and he's like, hey, 
Ben found a TV. So at this point, Helen's like, we're going. So yeah, fuck you. Harry and Helen go upstairs and Judy goes down to watch the sick daughter. Ben and Tom come in with the TV and the TV tells us that people are being murdered and eaten. And according to a report from the National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington, it has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Oof. Can you imagine? Oof. <gasps> the terror. Dude, being sitting there, you got some crazy fucking fuckers outside of your house like that you don't understand what's going on. And then the TV, the place where you were like, I can rely on you, my sweet machine from the future. Like, you're yeah. the one that gives me information. Yeah. And somebody in the news, who is another thing where people back then were like, the news is right. If the news it. says it, that's it. Facts are facts. Entonces, y la televisión te dice, people that have recently died are coming back to life. You're just going to be like, well, 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 this is it. That's the end of the world. That's yeah. it. I 100% agree. Slash my horror movie insane person is like, that would be so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, my God. So the TV says your course of action should be there are rescue stations being set up by armed National Guard. So just stay tuned for the rescue station nearest you. And once you see it, get there as soon as possible. Right. It also says, why are space experts being consulted? Mm. A satellite that orbited Venus was coming back to Earth, but it was purposely destroyed by NASA when high levels of radiation were reported being carried with it. Could the radiation be responsible for this madness? So we're like, oh, maybe that explains why the fuck, what the fuck is going, what's going on. on. On the news, it says Willard Medical Center, which Tom is like, oh, that's nearby. The news also says people who have been injured need to get, a, get to a doctor ASAP. And Helen looks nervous. This is classic zombie film where mm-hmm. it's... Somebody's been injured and they don't want to tell anybody because they don't want to be a bother because they know what's going to happen because of this and this or that. So Helen goes back down to be with Karen, her daughter, and Judy goes back upstairs. And again, important thing it says on the news is the bodies must be cremated and fast because they turn in a matter of minutes. So... This is like shoot shoot in the head, but also they can be burned. Right. That'll do it too. Upstairs, a plan starts to come together. Tom and Ben are going to make a run for the truck. They're going to fill it with gas at that fucking gas pump, pick everyone up, and then just get out of there. Right. Tom luckily finds a key to the gas pump, and he and Judy start to make Molotov cocktails. Cut to a little bit later, and we're ready to make this shit happen. Barbara and Judy go downstairs for we're- safety. <laughs> and uh, We're... Fucking Ben is like, he kneels down again to stupid catatonic mute Barbara. And he's like, hey, um, how about you go downstairs, you know, because, you know, it's where it's about to go down. And wouldn't you want to leave? And she's all, oh, I'd like to leave. And then boom, gets up and goes downstairs. A bitch, Barbara. <laughs> I love how now she's like a Southern. I'd love to leave. <laughs> I can't. I, I don't know I how to do it. I can't do it either. I can't. Well, I'd like either. to leave, please. And I was like, yeah, no shit, Barbara. We all want to fucking leave. There's zombies outside, you bitch. This, she is in space right now. Absolutely. So Barbara, Judy, and I, I guess Helen and Karen are down there too. They go to the cellar. And together, Ben and Tom unboard the front door. And at the same time, Harry has gone upstairs where he's going to throw these Molotov cocktails. 
Ben says, Harry, start to throw them. So Harry set throws this these place co- ablaze. Let, set it ablaze. So he starts to throw these cocktails. Honestly, Harry does a good job. He yeah. wards off a bunch of these zombies. Ben and Tom come running out. Tom makes it into the car. And at this point, Judy, dumbass Judy, is like, by the way, I want to come too. You stupid idiot, Judy. So she comes running out. She gets into the truck. Cho- and Ben's like, if you want to come, you better do it now, Move dumbass. your ass, you fucking idiot. <laughs> what are you doing out here? Get so, Meanwhile, Ben is able to ward off the zombies with his torch. He climbs into the back of the truck and off go Tom and Judy and Ben. McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken wackduggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. They make it to the gas pump, but Ben puts his torch on the floor. They unlock the gas pump or they shoot it, whatever. It's released, but when they pick up the pump, it spurts gas all over the place. Tom is like, and spraying it on the truck. Shower of gas. Shower of gas. And so, of course, the torch is on the floor. The truck catches on fire. Tom and Judy try to drive the truck away, I guess, like... Which is, uh, this moment, it was almost like foreshadowing on Ben's behalf when he saw the fire, the... Yes, the, the gas truck. The gas truck on fire. And I was like, this is kind of what's happening with Tom and Judy. And so yeah. finally, like, Ben is yelling, like, the car, you're on fire, you idiots, get out. Tom gets out, tries to get, and Judy, you stupid idiot. She's like, my jacket's caught. Bang. And then they fucking explode. That's it. That's it. Tom and Judy are gone. R.I.P. Zombies start to approach Ben, but with his torch and his gun, again, he's able to ward them off. And this was a really interesting thing for me, the scene of him running back to the farmhouse. Because, again, you get all different kinds of zombies in here where... You have zombies that are super mindless, just like, oh, stupid, walking around. Right. But then you also get the zombies that know to, like, use a rock to smash a window or, like, try the door and shit like that. Right. Also, and this is something I never caught in Night of the Living Dead before, lots of slow zombies, but there's some fucking running zombies in there, too. Dude. They're running. Oof. Which I have always thought... Night of the Living Dead slow zombies, but that is not true. Especially because we do get so many wide shots of them like slow walking, approaching the farmhouse or like even right before they go into the truck to go to get the gas, we get a handful of the shots of them like, you know, uh, walking up towards us. But then when they are in that huge group like mindset, it's almost like they become more active. I feel like that's when they start grabbing rocks or like really picking up speed. Going for it. Yeah. Yeah. And in this scene, you see them. They're they're going for it. Which is very animalistic and it's it's very it's very pack like. Like, you know, like like, they're kind of they they're fired up by each other, by like the numbers. Yeah. I mean, especially when there's like prey right in front of them that they can eat. 
Ben's able to make it back to the farmhouse, but asshole Harry has locked the door on him. What a fucking prick. But Ben is able to kick the door in, and asshole Harry has a change of heart, so he helps Ben board the door back up, but that does not stop Ben from (laughs) punching the shit out of him, which I was just like, ugh. Thank you. This is the best. (laughs) But it's also hilarious because it's such like 1968, like gentle punching. (laughs) He's obviously like, you know, it's well choreographed, but you can tell he's not punching. And then the sounds are also like, instead of it being like, (laughs) it's more like, it's a very, it's a sound that doesn't match punching, and it's very oh, funny. I love this, and it just feels so good to be like, yes, punch yeah, the fucking punch that shit bitch out of in him. the face. <laughs> we get this hideous quick sequence of the zombies coming up to the wreckage of the burning truck, and they feed on the corpses of Tom and Judy. The intestines, like they're Ooh. one of them, like grabs a big like noodley situation. Ooh. It's just so gross. Yeah, just delicious, delightful. <laughs> Back in the house, everybody is just fucking done. So Ben is like, we got a new plan. At one point, Harry and Helen were like, our car was overturned, and then we had to run with with our daughter, Karen, and that's how we made it here. So Ben's like, we're going to go find that car. We're going to turn it over, and we're going to get out of here. Right. We're going to go to Willard. But Harry's like, how, how are we going to do that? We can't turn the car over. And it's at this point that we also discovered that the daughter was bitten. And Ben is like, who knows what kind of shit these people carry? Like, what kind of diseases, diseases, whatever. Again, another thing where it's like, oh, zombie rules. Zombie 101. What's going on? What's going to happen to the bite? Right. And meanwhile, Barb is just, she's sitting there again, and she's like, you can't start the car. Johnny has the keys to the car. Barbara, no one asked you anything. (laughs) You fucking nightmare. Uh. But then Ben is like, wait, wait, hold, hold on. What are you Barbara, talking about? You mean this car? You Where is your have car? A car? Yeah. Would you please wake up so we can get to this fucking car? It's 3 a.m. apparently, so now we get a new, another news report. And on the news report, it says the radiation is increasing, so shit is getting worse. Mm. Anyone who dies will come back to life, so start burning bodies, people. And in this news report, we see a militia of scary white men with guns. I was like, the militia of white dudes is pretty ominous. Oh, it's very scary. We also meet Chief McClellan, who's kind of like heading up this scary white man gun toting militia. militia. And he's like, I'll tell you how to get rid of the zombies. You kill the ghoul by shooting it in the head, which we're like, we got it, McClellan. We got it. Yeah. And then the power goes out. Oof. Shit. The zombies start to pound on the house. Their hands start to grab through the boards and they're like tearing at Ben and Helen who are trying to keep them out. At least Helen's trying to do something. Dude, fucking Helen the, out of out of all the women. Oh, God, I'm so She's mad. She's trying. Yeah. Ben, at this point, he drops his gun because he's trying to keep the zombies out. So here comes asshole Harry. He grabs the gun and points it at Ben. So Ben grabs a board. He throws it at Harry. They have a scuffle. But Ben's able to pick up the gun and he shoots asshole Harry. I mean, I was actually surprised. So was I. But at the same time, I was like, bro, I don't trust this motherfucker anymore. He has proven he has shown his true colors. Not not once, not twice. This is the thrice time that he fucking did it. So you're getting shot. Fuck you. Absolutely. (laughs) So asshole Harry is fully shot. So he 
he's dying and he goes back into the cellar, I guess, to be with his daughter. And poor Helen is at the door, like, getting manhandled by these zombies. So there's Helen and she's, like, struggling with these zombie hands. And Barbara actually comes up to help her. Fucking finally, Barbara. (laughs) Finally, she does something. So Helen is able to free herself from the zombies. But then the zombies grab Barbara. Mm -hmm. We go back into the cellar. And this is the best. The daughter, Karen, has fully transformed into a zombie and she is eating asshole Harry. Dude, fully. (laughs) Which was the best. His whole arm, his whole fucking arm is gone. Like that bitch went honk, honk, honk and ate his full arm. My dad's arm is delicious. I'm loving it. uh, Nutritious. (laughs) Tender. Helen comes down and she sees what's happening so the daughter attacks the mom with the spade and Oof. stabs her to death with it, which has always been so weird for me in a in a zombie film. Yeah, this this is particularly awful because it's not her attacking her to eat her, it's her attacking her to murder her. Right, to just kill her. Stab her. She doesn't eat her. No. Which is, zombies, at least now, don't do this, but this was an interesting thing, an interesting choice here, which doesn't quite make sense to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a really scary sequence. It, and especially because it's a little kid killing her mom. And oh, that's my God. Par- particularly awful, too. Yeah. They, they, and like the scene is done in such a creepy way. Yeah. Really, really effective. Upstairs, Ben and Barbara are seriously struggling with the zombies who break in, and we see. Zombie Johnny. Johnny. No glasses. <laughs> no glasses. Honestly, I was like, he's kind of handsome. Yeah. Even for a zombie. I love this moment because it's this is so crazy. classic zombie where yeah. Barbara sees Johnny. She freaks out. She's like, my brother, now my zombie brother. And he <laughs> grabs her and then all the other... And they engulf. She gets yes. swallowed by this horde. And I think that is like... The epitome of a zombie film, you have to have that moment where somebody is fully taken over by the mound. I think it's so cool. And I also had forgotten that Barbara dies. Yeah. You just killed this sweet white woman. White woman. In 1968. She's gone. No final girl. heroine, in quotation marks, is dead. Dead. Like, ripped to pieces. Yep. That's fucked. So Barbara's out. (laughs) Um, Ben backs up to the cellar door because the zombies are entering the house. And then the zombie daughter, Karen, comes up from the cellar, attacks him. But he's able to throw her off. chucks that kid. (laughs) He grabs her and he's like, woo! As the youth says, he (laughs) yeets her into the oblivion. Thank you, youth, for that term. (laughs) So he goes into the cellar. He shuts it boards up the door as the horde of zombies enter the home and they begin to pound on the cellar door. Oof. In the cellar, Harry and Helen have come back to life, so he quickly kills these zombies. The minute he walks into the cellar and is like putting the the wood to close to keep them the zombies out, I was like, mm-hmm. my guy, get your gun and shoot those fucking dudes in the fucking head right now. Do it now. Although he uses so many shots Dude. to kill, especially, I can't remember he used, how many he uses on uh, Helen, but on um, Harry, 
He's like three shots. Bro. I know he didn't like him, but save your ammo. And he's not that far away from you. You can fully do it to his head. So, and even at this point, after he kills them, he like throws his gun to the floor. So I guess that means no more ammo. Right. We are left with just Ben down in the cellar to wait it out. And then the next thing you know, it's the next morning. A helicopter is flying over and we see men, this militia of scary men patrolling the fields with a lot of guns. And it seems that it's all like police, military, militia business now. Right. Chief McClellan, who we saw before in that news report, he puts together a team to go check out the farmhouse. And in the cellar, Ben hears dogs barking, which are police dogs. He hears the militia firing at the zombies and he can tell that they're slowly getting closer to the house. So he very slowly comes out of the cellar with his gun and some dude sees Ben through a window and shoots him in the head. And that is the end of our movie. The first time I saw this film a year ago, Uh I didn't realize that that's what, like I knew enough about the film that, you know, zombies and they're going to get you, Barbara, like the the basics, but I didn't know about that ending. And this ending, it's I remember feeling so fucking shocked and betrayed. Oh, yeah, because Ben is the most level headed. He's the one Mm -hmm. with the plan. He's the one that if everybody had been grounded and sane and listened to him, they could have probably survived. Absolutely. But no. And then he still gets to get fucking shot in the head by a bunch of white dudes. Yeah jacked yeah even worse though i think is so they shoot him and what the film does is the credits start to run and instead of it being actual film footage Mm -hmm. it's almost like stills stills of photographs where these white men come in with hooks oh my god like legitimate hooks like candy man hooks yeah and they fucking bring out his dead body throw him on top of a pile of other dead people bodies uh-huh. and then set him ablaze. And the last thing you see is this pile of bodies and him on top. It's just incredibly brutal the way that they oh just God. dispose of him. Nobody makes it in this movie, but it is especially heartbreaking that Ben does not make it. Yeah. To quote it's our just... friends from the Hell Show talk show, uh-huh. Humans are the monsters. <laughs> Hello. Humans are yes. the monsters. Dude. Well, here we are at the end of this movie. What a film. Do we want to get into some trivia? Yes. You want to go first? Yes. <laughs> what is a zombie? Please tell me. <laughs> Wikipedia says a zombie is a mythological undead corporeal revenant created through the reanimation of a corpse. Zombies are most commonly found in horror and fantasy genre works. Yes. The term comes from Haitian folklore, in which a zombie is a dead body reanimated through various methods, most commonly magic. Mm. Modern depictions of the reanimation of the dead do not involve magic, but rather science fictional methods, such as Mm. carriers, radiation, as in this case, mental diseases, vectors, pathogens, parasites, scientific accidents, etc. 
The English word zombie was first recorded in 1819 in a history of Brazil <gasps> by the poet Robert Southey in the form of zombie, Z-O-M-B-I. A new version of the zombie, distinct from that described in Haitian folklore, emerged in popular culture during the latter half of the 20th century. The interpretation of the zombie is drawn largely from George A. Romero's film Night of the Living Dead, which was partly inspired by Richard Matheson's novel I Am Legend also known as the Will Smith film that I will never see because I know he snaps a dog's neck. The word zombie is not used in The Night of the Living Dead, but was applied later by fans. Yeah, because they call them ghouls in this movie. Yeah, they never say ghouls. They call them assassins. I mean, they never say zombies. They call them assassins. They call them ghouls. They call them um, assailants, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. George A. Romero. He was uh, born in New York City in the borough of the Bronx, the son of Anne Dvorsky and George Romero, a commercial artist. His mother was Lithuanian, and his father moved from Spain Mm -hmm. to Cuba as a child. This is where what we were talking about at the top (laughs) comes in. Now, when Johnny... get into it. (laughs) When Johnny told me he wanted to do... Night of the Living Dead. I was absolutely thrilled because at this point, I thought the the world we live in, pop culture, whatever, I had thought this whole time that George Romero is an actual Latino. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Google before I started to watch, and I saw this piece of trivia that his dad wasn't technically Latino at all. And I was like, oh. So I reached out to Johnny, and Johnny and I had a conversation. And I was like, okay, well, then let's maybe let's talk about this. So the New York Daily News.com in 2008 had an article by Raimundo Monel called George Romero, Our Zombie in Havana. George Romero says he would love to go back to Cuba, his father's homeland. I think I can go back now. Living in Toronto, Canada, I think I can get down there. I'd really love to says the 68-year-old filmmaker. It would be his first visit to the Caribbean island in nearly 50 years. Mm. Canada, unlike the U.S., trades with Cuba. This was before we were chilled to go back. Sure. He says, We went to Cuba right before Castro. My father still had his family there. We went a couple of times to visit his family in the summer when I was off school. I was in my mid-teens. Most of his family left the island for Spain after the revolution. They were dictator Fulgencio Batista guys. Mm -hmm. So they were pro all that jazz. They didn't work for the government or anything, but one ran a newspaper and he wasn't friendly to the revolution. So they all had to scram. They had wonderful places there and wound up leaving with just what they could carry back. A half a century, century later, he still has fond memories of his visit. At least I saw it, says Romero. It was beautiful. I remember my uncle used to give me cigars and take me to nightclubs, which if you're in your (laughs) mid-teens, bro, don't give your mid-teens cigars. Why does that feel like shit we grew up with, though? Absolutely. Sure, you're a kid. Take it. Tomate un cigarro. A ver, aquí, tomate este vaso de ron. (laughs) Vamos a la fiesta, whatever. Okay. So born and raised in the Bronx, Romero's dad was Cuban and his mom Lithuanian. But because of our name, quote, I was labeled a Latino 
and I was in it in an Italian neighborhood, so it was difficult, but I still had good times. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have the experience of being attached to a Latino identity. So you experience the probably not great, often racist stuff going down. Yeah. NPR.org's Code Switch has also an article called Why Black Heroes Make Zombie Stories More Interesting by Matt Thompson. And in it, the article says, Romero's own complex Latino heritage isn't incidental. He got from his father a sense that arbitrary racial boundaries can create real societal divides. Mm. Quote, I'm half Latino. I'm a New York baby, right? So my dad is Cuban. My mom is Lithuanian. My dad says, I'm not Cuban. And George shrugs his shoulders. But you were born in Cuba. I'm Castilian from Spain. Family went to Cuba to open a hotel. Okay, well, let's say you're Cuban. You're a Spanish guy. Yes, but I'm not Puerto Rican. This was the dad saying this. This is the dad saying all of this. Interesting. I grew up in New York with a Spanish dad right in the days of West Side Story, where, you know, the Puerto Rican gangs and shit? My dad is telling me Puerto Ricans are shit. Wow. I have a Latino dad who's telling me that Puerto Ricans are shit. I mean, this is a very confusing situation. And I think this is something that happens often, especially with Latinos and Black Latinos, where there's such inherent racism within our own culture. We're like, no, si yo no soy negro. Have you ever seen those videos of Dominican people being like, like, obviously Black Latinos, Black Dominicans mm. saying, yo no soy negro, yo soy Latino. And it's like, amor, mm. vos sos negro, no joda. Wow. Because so, you can be both. Y eso es por eso que decimos que ser Latino no es raza. It's not a race. Entonces, I'm sure growing up in this with this divide of like in the streets of New York City, you have your last name Romero, you're considered Latino because your dad came from Cuba. But then you go into your home and your dad is like, I'm not fucking Cuban. I'm from Spain. And please don't confuse me with especially being Puerto Rican. Exactly. How strange. Yes. But but I but I hear it and I get it. Like not not in a way that I agree with it at all, but in a way that I'm like, wow, I've seen this before. Exactly. Okay, so now I'm going to shift it a little bit from the Latino point of view to this casting of Ben as Great. our lead, who is a black guy during this time when that's not very common. Yeah. So. Blarb, <laughs> what? which is the blog of Los Angeles Review of Books, Blarb. Oh, Blarb. Um, they had an article also called Another One for the Fire, George A. Romero on Race by James Rushing Daniel. Quote, Romero also deserves special recognition for his influence on horror's social turn. With a few notable exceptions... Horror films in the middle and late 60s were generally limited to vampire sexploitation, romps, and Roger Corman fever dreams. Beginning with Night of the Living Dead, Romero demonstrated that the horror film could, dra could dramatize social issues and do so without the pomp or pretense of prestige cinema. 
He likewise established that a genre intrinsically concerned with exploring terror and aversion was equally as capable of addressing such relevant social issues as racism and social breakdown as it was with contrived ones. Hmm. Romero opened the door for a generation of horror filmmakers such as Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, and John Carpenter Hmm. to similarly explore increasingly weighty themes through the genre. Yes, that is that is spot on. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Another article, which is actually somebody's like <laughs> thesis paper that I found online. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I've been finding shit like that too. <laughs> which I think is awesome. I wish that so cool. I I my college life was girl, I'm not smart. At least I don't <laughs> You and me both, honey. (laughs) And when I see that people find these great correlations of like, or putting two and two together from like stuff that you're like, this is my entertainment value. And then, and then attaching it to like the important things in life. I think that's so, that's so impressive to me. And I'm like, my brain could never, bro. (laughs) I agree with you totally. And also it just makes me be like, this is also why I fucking love being part of the horror community because the exploration of it. Ugh, I just love, I love it when people nerd out. That's the other thing. Yes. Yes. Get nerdy, y'all. Okay. Yeah. Make it your fucking thesis. Exactly. And this is what Henry Powell did when he wrote for Colby University the uh, thesis paper entitled One Generation Consuming the Next, The Racial Critique of Consumerism in George Romero's Zombie Films. In his paper, he says, Scholars have long discussed the importance of Romero's films, especially Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, and their depiction of white masculinity and consumerism, respectively, in America. Often the discussions focus on the conflicts between characters representing microcosms of American inequalities, using certain characters to represent unthinking and selfish whites or mindless middle-class consumers. While scholars note that race is central to the Night of the to Night of the Living Dead as the final survivor, mm, not really, mm-hmm. is black and dies at the hands of unfeeling and probably mm. racist whites, Oof. they barely mention its importance in Dawn of the Dead. Likewise, many of the contemporary analyses of Dawn and Romero's films since Night focus on the film's critique of consumerism as Romero depicts a society that almost entirely defines itself by the literal acquisition of material goods, but these analyses rarely look at the representations of race in these films. What makes my argument, Henry Powell's argument, what makes my argument different from what scholars have discussed previously is that I see race and prejudice as always connected with with the consumerism and masculinity that Romero condemns in his films. Interesting. I will argue that Romero uses consumerism to expound on the ways American society essentially leaves minorities, especially African Americans, behind in its quest for individual success. Wow. Right? I read that. I was like, whoa, my guy's got a noodle. (laughs) (laughs) In general, the films serve as case studies in the ways 
the thinking or acting of the previous decade has negatively affected our society in terms of marginalizing people and perpetuating inequality among the non-rich and non-white sectors of our societies. The African-American characters end up spending much of the film combating that inequality symbolically Mm. with mixed successes in the films. Now, going back to Blarb, blog of the Los Angeles (laughs) Review of Books, as Get Out director Jordan Peele told the New York Times in February, the way Night of the Living Dead handles race is so essential to what makes it great. All social norms break down when this event happens and a black man is caged up in a house with a white woman who is terrified. Hmm. But you're not sure how much she's terrified at the monsters on the outside or this man on the inside who is now the hero. So when George A. Romero passed away in July 16th of 2017. So many horror directors attributed their inspiration to him and how he absolutely changed the game in horror. In particular, Jordan Peele, he tweeted out a picture of Ben holding his shotgun with the phrase saying, Romero started it. Oof. Which Dude, makes I feel me that emotional. In my heart. I know. Whoa. Yeah. So, oh my god. My last little piece of trivia is something that I found so incredibly charming about him, George Romero. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, after graduating from college in 1960, where he went to Carnegie Mellon, I do believe, Romero began his career shooting short films and TV commercials. And one of his early commercial films was a segment for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in <gasps> which Fred Rogers underwent a tonsillectomy. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Isn't that, that is adorable. so sweet? I saw that. I was like, that's "I'm obsessed." Uh, that's so lovely. So that's my this, last little bit. I, as usual, love your trivia. But there was something specific that you said in the NPR thing, mm-hmm. where it seems to be George Romero and his dad kind of talking together. Yes. So in the tr- in the trivia, in the research that I did about Romero. I was kind of getting this vague idea that he was not very connected to his Latinx identity. But what you just told me is that he was. He felt Latino, but his dad was not really, didn't really feel it it, enough so to specify that he was Castilian. Yeah. Which is very interesting to me. But it really makes me feel better. At least this is what I'm gathering from what you told us, that George did connect to his Latinx identity and to his heritage. I mean, he literally says, I'm half Latino. Yes. He says it. Which him claiming that is very important. Absolutely. And I will say in that same note, Uh when Johnny and I were having this discussion, I was... I was very much like, I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like he's Latino. I was very much on the opposite side. And reading that actually turned me, I think, a little bit towards the other way. Because it's hard to have your parental person who you would feel connected to that identity be so... Telling you that's not who you are. Yeah. Especially because his dad apparently moved to Cuba when he was a young, like a child. Yeah. I moved to Brazil when I was two years old. I think that's Mm -hmm. how old, what's his name, went to Cuba as. And like, 
I don't call myself Brazilian, but I do like I know it shaped me and I know a lot of the stuff that I grew up surrounded by really make me feel a stronger connection to that identity. That is part of who you are. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be you without it. Exactly. I'm glad that that you feel that way because I <laughs> I was a little <laughs> I was like how are we going to talk this out? <laughs> but if I'm being totally honest, you basically did all my trivia. <laughs> like we literally had the same article, wow. not all of them, but I we did this basically the same research. So I are are you good? I'm done. Great. So I will add in what little I can. I literally started mine with, because of our name, I was labeled a Latino and I was in an Italian neighborhood, so it was difficult, but I still had good times, which is what Eileen said at the top of the Verbatim. All of that to say, basically, that yes, Romero's roots are from Spain, like a lot of Latinx people's roots are. Claro. It just so happens that George's roots are a lot more fresh where some of ours go back hundreds and hundreds of years, right. whereas his are like, I mean, Ainoma. that is Ainoma. It's right there. It is fresh. And what I think is especially important is, yes, the fact that George Romero himself has called himself half Latino, but also that Latinx horror fans claim George Romero. Yes, absolutely. He is ours. You know what I mean? Yeah. And last little thing here, I again, of course, just like you, we did the same fucking trivia because I needed to talk about Dwayne Jones, Ben, because he is just the best. So apparently the character of Ben was originally supposed to be like a crude truck driver with no specification of race. Mm -hmm. But after Dwayne Jones, who in real life is a self-serious academic, auditioned for the part, Romero rewrote the, the, the part to fit his performance. Though the cast and crew had nothing but positive things to say about Jones, Marilyn Eastman, who played Helen, would later refer to him as a tortured individual due to American racial tensions during the late 60s. Wow. Carl Hardman, who played asshole Harry, mm -hmm. he became good friends with Jones, which I think is so sweet. Oh, I love that. And Jones's death in 1988 affected him greatly, which is just heartbreaking. Oh. And apparently Hardman would often become emotional when talking about Jones and believed he received a raw deal in life due to the nation's racial tensions. Wow. The character of Ben was originally written as an angry person, and when Dwayne Jones was given the role, he expressed concern that the character be rewritten to remove some of the anger, such as the scene where Ben hits Barbara. Afraid of how it would widely be perceived in the United States at the time to see a black man acting in this way. The nation was still plagued with high racial tensions during the late 60s, which it still is. Yeah. The film was released to theaters shortly after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Nonetheless, Romero and most of the rest of the predominantly white crew decided against it, thinking they were being hip by not changing it. Years later, Romero lamented that he had not taken Jones's concerns more into consideration and thought that he was probably correct. Wow. He expressed that he wished he could speak with the late Jones again, asking him how he felt about the film's legendary status. And he believed Jones would just say, who knew? And laugh. Last little thing here from a Hollywood Reporter article. It's called The Lingering Horror of Night of the Living Dead by Richard Newby. Although Romero may not have been aware of the racial impact of Dwayne Jones's casting, the actor himself was very much aware of it. 
In an interview featured on the Criterion release, Jones relays a story about a ride home from the set one night with extra Betty Ellen Hawley, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Jones said, We were driving through downtown Pittsburgh, of all places, and heading back to, I'm going to say this word is pronounced Duquesne, I don't know. Sure. When all of a sudden we became very aware of the fact that there were some teenagers in a car following us. Oh, God. And at first we thought it was some of the young folks who were around around the filming. And I looked back and I said, Betty, those are strangers. And then I looked back and one of them started brandishing a tire iron at me. And the paradox and the irony, I had been walking around brandishing a tire iron at ghouls all day long. And there was somebody brandishing a tire iron at me from a car, but in absolute seriousness. Wow. And that moment, the total surrealism of the racial nightmare of America being worse than whatever that was we were doing as a metaphor in that film lives with me to this moment. Holy fuck. So this Dwayne Jones, man, what an actor. Amazing. What a performance. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, shall I ask you some questions? Yes, please. Let's do it. Okay, Johnny. Were you scared? Yes, I was. I mean, the movie's a little bit dated, but bottom line, yes. How about you? Me too. I I wrote, you know, a little on the lighter fare just because of the old-timey factor and cuz I have seen it before, but there is definite Right. There's definite scared stuff in it. Still there. holds up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was your best scare? I'm going to give it to that opening cemetery sequence with Johnny and Barbara. It is just so iconic. Oh, and just to like reveal a little bit of something about myself personally, I'm pretty sure, like 95% sure that this was the first scary movie I ever saw. Which is very When cool. I was just a little kid. I remember being at my godparents' house and... They were, like, super cool. I remember they had, like, a Miss Pac-Man arcade in their house. And for some reason, they decided to show me Night of the Living (laughs) Dead when I was, I mean, I was probably, like, five. Very, very young. And I remember this opening sequence and being like, this is fucking scary. Yeah. So I'm going to give it to that cemetery sequence. Scary as hell. What about you? For me, is any time people were in cars. When Barbara was in the mm. car, when Judy and Tom were in the car, when those zombies were around, like, swarming in the cars, that, oh, I've it gives me so much anxiety. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? Ben, hands down. How about you? Me too. Yeah. Ben, but I'm also going to give a special shout out to Karen because she ate a whole goddamn arm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Special shout out to Karen. What was your best line? Listen, I'm, I have to do it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Ah, great. I had to. Amazing. Of course. What about you? Mine is Helen saying, that's important, isn't it? To be right, everybody else to be wrong. To fucking Harry the asshole, because I was like... Because that's exactly who he was. That was a great line. I love how she lets him have it in that scene. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, What's your best death? The Helen stab sequence with her daughter stabbing her to death with that spade or whatever it is. Woo! Great. That's fucked up. What about you? Mine is Barbara getting swallowed by the horde. Yes. Good one. Yeah. Especially because one of my favorite films of all time is Shaun of the Dead. And there is a scene that very much mirrors that moment when uh, 
the best friend with glasses gets like they the zombies finally get through the pub and pull him in and then rip him to in half and basically descend upon him i was like i can see where edgar wright fully took that from night of the living dead which yeah. is great yeah did you learn anything from the culture <laughs> no no i don't think this, no <laughs> no which is fine yeah um and lastly how many ooies do you give this movie? I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it five. I'm going to give it five ooies. I get that, like, there's no Latinx people in here, but the fact that George Romero, from what we've discovered, was connected to his Latinx culture, I love that. And also, nostalgia factor, man. They fucking nailed it. This is a classic movie. I believe it was the first horror movie I have ever seen. So, five. Five ooies. What about you? For me, and I just want to say, like, a lot of people have complicated relationships with their identity, especially mm -hmm. if you are Latino. Like, a there is a hard time a lot of times when, like, you don't speak Spanish and you're Latino. Or if you're black <laughs> Latino or white Latino and, like, coming to terms with how Latino you are and how... and and what does it entail i think it can be very hard to put your little puzzle pieces together and i think that's something that's admirable about george romero like that's something that a lot of people can identify with so yeah. having said that i'm also gonna give this movie five ooies <laughs> i am so surprised holy shit just because, again, nostalgia factor, I absolutely agree. I think without without Night of the Living Dead, we wouldn't have the zombies that we have now. And yeah, and you know this, but for me, zombies are my favorite. Oh, they're your favorite right. subgenre yeah. of horror. Like I'm, ab I, it's my favorite kind of horror movie. There is is a zombie film, and so how can I not give this absolute fucking classic? five ooies that's how i feel it's it's that's the it's what has laid out most of the rules it's it's uh, honestly very much the bible to zombieism and i think mm -hmm. that's something to honor and uh really praise so i agree great job george you're yeah. the fucking best <laughs> <laughs> so good now Going along the lines of what you just said about Latinx identity, I the reason we mentioned, you know, all of our, our Instagram and our, our Twitter and all that stuff, but we really want to hear from you specifically about what you think about, I guess, specifically Romero's Latinx identity. And like, how does it affect your own? Like, do you, can you see yourself in that complicated identifying yeah. self like uh, can you relate to it mm -hmm. are you completely opposed is he just yeah, did, is he just a spanish guy should we not have covered this movie uh, please let us know we want to have the discussion with you we want to hear what you think it's so wonderful to have the platform with you guys so let us know how mm -hmm. you feel especially about this movie that is I think it's an honor to claim him as our as one of our directors because mm -hmm. he's iconic and yeah. having someone like that be under the umbrella of a Latinx person I think really is 
an honor to have. So yeah, it's important. if you feel the same, if you feel differently, let's have a nice friendly conversation, <laughs> everybody, because we know how the internet works. Um <laughs> But talk to us at yeah, Uikyorror on Twitter, at Uikyorror on Instagram, at Uikyorror at Gmail, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at all the Uikyorrors. Um, also, make sure and follow our sweet, sweet network, uh, Sonoro Podcast, at Sonoro Podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well. They have a bunch of great Latinx content for your ear holes. Um, this was really fun. I had a really good time Me talking too. about this. What a what a joy, what a delight feels right for the 25th. Yeah. So, what a treat. We we hope your daylight savings time doesn't right. lead you into what a zombie if apocalypse. What is a fucking zombie apocalypse? Bro, <laughs> si me levanto mañana y está el fucking zombie afuera mi ventana, I'm At gonna, least we know the rules. At least we know the rules. Thank you, George. You did it for us. Thank you, George. Bueno, pues, Johnny I fucking love you. I fucking love you too. And we'll see you next week, gang. Adios. Adios. Sonoro. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.